We are so excited to announce something brand new here at Bayshore Community Church. Available now on any of the app stores, either Apple or Android or even Amazon, is the exciting Bayshore Church app for your mobile device. Now this app is chock full of content for you to use to engage with Bayshore. There's a sermon archive where you can browse past messages from both campuses. There's ways for you to sign up for classes, for events, for small groups. There's events calendars so that you don't miss anything that's happening. There's even a Bible reading section where you can get daily updates on where we are reading in the Bible. Also, this app has a great new giving feature, a very sleek and efficient way to easily give anytime you like and also have reoccurring gifts. So be sure to check out our app. You can go to bayshorecc.org slash app. That's bayshorecc.org slash app. And find links to download the Bayshore Church app. Well, good morning, everybody, and happy Easter to you. I'm Danny Tice, the lead pastor here, and we're so glad you're here today. We just are honored to have all of you, and uh, we just love having you. Didn't the band do a great job this morning? Let's give them a hand. They did an incredible job. So I think most of us are ready for spring. How many can't wait till spring is fully unveiled? We got a little taste of it today, but we're all about the spring. So this is a great day to be together. We uh, love Easter here at Bayshore, and we're just so glad that you're here. We have a lot of people in our congregation that are traveling, people in Florida, different places, and uh, we have a live service right now on Facebook, so we want to welcome our Facebook live community. Thank you for listening right now, and happy Easter to everybody that's listening on Facebook. And uh, we, we want to talk today about the, uh, the Easter story. The Easter story is such a an amazing story. Every year what I do is I read the Easter story over and over again when I get ready for Easter service. I just uh, start reading uh, Matthew's version, Mark's version, Luke's version, John's version, and I just enjoy the story. I love the story. I love the passion of it, and I just read it over and over again. And so this year, as I uh, started reading the Easter story, I had in mind what I wanted to talk about, sort of had it already in my head, and so I'm kind of looking for that. Uh, But uh, as I began to read the Easter story, there was something that captured me completely different than what I thought I was going to talk about. And what really captured me this year in the Easter story as I read it over and over again was how much running there is in the Easter story. People are constantly running in the Easter story. They're, they're, they're Mary Magdalene's running, Peter and John are running, and we see this, this, this foot race that's going on over and over again in the Easter story. And every, every gospel emphasizes that people were running. Now, I don't know how many of you are runners. Uh, anybody here a runner? You run, jog every week or whatever. How many used to jog every week? How many know joggers? You know joggers. Okay, yeah, I get that. My son, Joel, he uh, is an avid runner, and uh, last year he ran 700 miles. His goal every year is to run 700 miles in the year. And so last year he ran 700 miles, and I said, that's nothing. I ate 700 cookies in just six months. So uh, he's a runner. 64 million people in America in 2016, they did a survey. 64 million people uh, are joggles, joggers and run in America. So there's a lot of people that run. But if you look at the Easter story, uh, if you look at it really close, the apostles have Nike tennis shoes on. Everybody's running. They're constantly running. And the, here's, the, here's the best story that features the running. It's found in John chapter 20, verses 1 through 9. Uh, this is a story that tells the story from John, the apostle's perspective. He's one of the uh, gospel writers. And here's what it says. 
Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been moved from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple. The other disciple is a euphemism for John, uh, the one Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. But Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter, who was behind him, arrived and went into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the burial cloth that had been around Jesus' head. The cloth was folded up by itself, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not understand from the Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. So if you read all the stories and put them together, we know that Mary Magdalene and some other women were the first people that went to the tomb on Easter morning. And we know that uh, it was Mary Magdalene that, that was the first person that saw Jesus alive. We know that from the, the stories as we put them together. So Mary Magdalene, a woman, was the first woman, the first person actually to see Jesus alive. Now what's interesting about that little point is, is that uh, in the ancient world, uh, women were, their, their testimony was not admissible into court. In other words, a woman couldn't testify in court. A woman was considered to be a valid witness. So why that's significant is we know that the story is not a bogus story. It's not a made-up story because if it was a made-up story, the disciples never would have had a woman being the key witness to the first person to see Jesus alive. But Mary Magdalene comes back to wherever the apostles are staying. And the Bible says that she tells them what's happened and Peter and John bolt out the door, and they run toward the tomb. And they know where the tomb is. Mary Magdalene knew where the tomb was. The tomb was not a mystery. So they run, and they're bolting out the door. And this gospel story in John has this little interesting thing about it. It says that John outran Peter, that John outran Peter. And Peter uh, is the last one to get to the tomb. And three times, three times in the text, uh, John emphasizes that he beat Peter getting to the tomb. Now you think about what's the significance of that little detail in the gospel story? Three times P, uh, John wants everybody to know that he outran Peter. What's the spiritual significance of it? There's no spiritual significance of it. The only thing that's true about that little piece of evidence is that John wanted everybody to know that he outran Peter. That is the point and, and for millions of people that's read this story, everybody knows that John was a faster runner than Peter. And so we have this little point in the story. Matthew tells the same thing. Peter and John running and Mary Magdalene running. Everybody's running. The Easter story is full of energy. People are running. They're moving. Uh, there's life in the Easter story. People aren't in a hammock. They're not walking with their heads down. People in the Easter story are running. They're rapid. And there's all this energy and all this life that's going on in the Easter story. You think about why do people run? Why do people run? Well, sometimes people run because they're afraid. They run because they're afraid. That's why some people run. Uh, you watch a movie and you see some scene where there's a villain chasing somebody with a gun and they're running down the staircase and all that. And so sometimes people run when they're afraid. I don't know if you remember or if you ever did this, but when I was a kid, we used to have wasp nests that would build uh, a nest up on the eave of the house and it would be covered with wasp in the summertime. And you'd take a, a rake 
the, uh, the, you know, the, the handle of a rake and up there and just kind of poke that wasp's nest? How many have ever done that? How many know when you do that, you don't just stand there and look at it after it falls? You're like running. You're like moving. You're like just really getting out of there. And people run because they're afraid. You know, I heard about these two guys walking in the woods, but you probably heard this story, and they saw a bear, and one guy started running, and the other guy said, well, you're crazy. You can't outrun a bear. He said, I don't have to outrun a bear. I just have to outrun you. So <laughs> people run when they're afraid. So that's one of the reasons that people run. Another reason that people run sometimes is because they're late. They're, not, they're, they're late. They're running behind. And when I was in high school, um, I drove my car to, to school every day, had a 1969 Chevrolet Nova, and uh, my junior year and my senior year at Seaford High School, always drove uh, to school, and I was always late. And so I'd leave too late, and so I would go down 13, uh, headed towards Stein Highway. I would go down Stein Highway, and then I would cut in the Ames parking lot. There was an Ames department store there. I would go behind the Ames uh, department store on two wheels and then go into the back way into Seaford High School, and I would run across the parking lot. And I would run down the hall to Mrs. Corsi's homeroom, and I would sneak in the back door. And sometimes she would catch me, and sometimes she wouldn't. Uh, if she called me, I had to go down to the office to get a tardy slip. So people run sometimes because they're late. I don't know if you are the kind of person that you squeeze too much stuff in and you leave too late. I'm constantly that kind of person. I'm like waiting too, too late to leave, and so I want to get more done. And so I leave too late, so I'm always speeding down the road. Actually, I was uh, on the way to a funeral one day, and I was running behind. I'd squeezed too much in. I was on my way to do a funeral, and I had my Marion and Barry suit on, my black suit on, and I'm on my way to do the funeral, and I got pulled over by a state policeman because I was, I was speeding. And he pulled me over, and I tried to plead with him. I was on the way to do a funeral, and uh, he assured me that the body would still be there when I got there. So, <laughs> so sometimes people run because they're late. Uh, and I'm that guy. I'm always late. And some of you can identify with that. Sometimes people run because there's an emergency. There's some kind of emergency that has to be attended to. And, uh, and uh, the other day, my uh, grandson, uh, uh, Nixon, was over to the house and, uh, his, with his sister, Nora, and they had, we, I'd been riding him on the zero-turn lawnmower. They like to ride on the lawnmower, so uh, Nixon calls it the Momo. Papa, let's ride the Momo. So I was you know, riding him on the Momo, and, uh, and then we, you know, I parked the lawnmower beside the, uh, my driveway there, and I'm talking to Joel, and uh, Joel and I are talking, and Stacy's there, Joel's wife and my, my wife Karen, we're all talking, and Nixon just loves the lawnmower. So he jumped on the lawnmower, and when he got on the lawnmower, he tried to start it, and Joel saw he was starting to, trying to start the lawnmower, and we could just envision Nixon you know, running into the car or whatever. So he ran and bolted over there to get Nixon off of the lawnmower, and sometimes we run because there's an emergency. When I was in second grade, uh, I was, uh, my teacher, her name was Mrs. Edgel, and Mrs. Edgel was about 120 years old when I had her, and she was really old, and one day she was teaching, uh, and as she was teaching, she had left the drawer open on her desk, and as she's writing on the chalkboard, she trips over the, uh, the, the drawer that was out, and she falls out. This old elderly lady falls out in front, and she could not get up. And she's in front of us second graders, and we look at her, and we didn't know what to do. We, you know, we knew that you know, her time on earth wasn't long, but anyhow, <laughs> there she was. And, uh, and my 
friend Sammy, who became my best friend, Sammy Fisher, got up and he ran down the hallway uh, to get the nurse and he came back and saved the day. So sometimes you run because there's an emergency. Sometimes you run because you're afraid. Sometimes you run, uh, you know, for different reasons. But one of the reasons that people run is because they're excited. Because they're excited. And there's something about running when you're excited. And I think in the Easter story, we have this. People are running because they're excited. And uh, this, this week was opening day of uh, baseball season. And uh, I don't know uh, if you are a baseball fan. Uh, any Orioles fans out there? You're an Orioles fan and you love the Orioles. And uh, that moment of silence for you all right now. So we hope they have a good year. Uh, any, any Phillies fans? Any Phillies fans out there? Uh, or any uh, national, uh, national, uh, you know, national team, whatever they're called, you know, those people. So, uh, well, well, this week, the Phillies had their opening game against the Atlanta Braves, and they were uh, up five to zero, five to zero, and uh, and then the uh, Braves started coming back, and in the ninth inning, in the ninth inning, it's tied five to five, and the and the Braves have two outs. They have two outs, and Nick Markakis gets up. Here's a picture of him. He gets up, and he hits a home run. There's two people on base, a home run, and, of course, the Braves win the opening day, uh, eight to five. And I was at a restaurant when this happened, and I saw it on TV, and as soon as he hit the home run, as soon as he hit the home run, Everybody in the dugout for the Braves ran out on the field in excitement. They ran out on the field in excitement. They were so excited because something amazing had happened. Now, when you think about the Easter story, the Easter story is about people running and they're excited and they're full of life and they're full of energy and something amazing has happened and they're running and they're just, they're full of excitement and energy and life. And what I think happens to us sometimes as we go through life, we kind of get, we, we quit running. We, we lose our excitement. We lose our enthusiasm for life. And we kind, of, we kind of put one foot in front of the other foot, and we're just kind of going through life, and we're going through the motions, and our head's down, and we're cynical, and we're pessimistic, and we don't expect anything good to ever happen. And so we're just moving through life like we're just sad and depressed, and we're not running anymore. And we've lost our zeal. We've lost our passion. We've lost our energy. And we're just sort of going through life and just going through the motions. I remember when my... Uh, Kids were young. I used to take them every year to Canman Yards to, uh, to watch the Orioles play. And I would take them, and we would always go early. We'd go to Utah Street, and here's a picture of Utah Street, and uh, get one of those Boog Pow sandwiches. And we'd always go early, and we'd go to this little area here where you could uh, watch batting practice. And sometimes they would hit home runs, you know, uh, over the fence there, and you could get a foul ball. And we would do that. We always had a great time. But, but after batting practice was over, there's these big, uh, big uh, iron gates uh, at the first section of the uh, ball stadium there. And all the kids would line up. They would all line up, and, uh, and they would wait for the gates to be open because as soon as the gates were open, the kids could run down the quarter there. They could go down to the dugout, and they could get uh, an autograph from one of the Orioles. And I, I, we did this every year. 
And I can just see this just like it was yesterday. My son Joel, he, got a, uh, he always had a new shiny baseball that he took to the game. And Tim would take one too. And Joel's right up at the front there. And Tim's a little more laid back. And then they would, they would open, open the gates. And I can just see this in my mind's eye. Joel running as fast as he can. He's running as fast as he can down that corridor uh, and then down the little e- e- exit area to go down to the, to the, to the uh, dugout to get an uh, autographed uh, ball. And what he did was, I mean, he was aggressive. He's leaning over there. He's elbowing other kids. He's getting in there. He's pushing little girls down. He's having a time. And uh, he always, almost every year, he got a Cal Ripken autographed baseball. And he's just running because he's excited and he's full of passion. I, want, I wonder about you. How are, how are you running in life right now? Are you like a little kid that you love life? You're excited about life? I was uh, over to my son Joel's house the other day, and I pulled in. Karen and I were watching the grandkids. And the house next to him, there was uh, two little kids in the backyard, a little boy, a little tiny boy. They were play- he was playing frisbee with his brothers. And he had on his, his, his Superman uh, outfit, and he had his cape. He was just a little guy, and the cape was so long it almost touched the ground. And this old kid is jumping around and he's throwing the frisbee and he's having such a great time. Now, what I believe Easter is about, Easter is about us being refilled with energy and refilled with optimism and refilled with excitement about life that we just don't sort of go through life with our head down and kind of beat down and discouraged and, and, and life is bad and things are awful and the world is awful and we watch the news and we think how awful things are. So it just drains the life out of us. So we just kind of go through life walking with our head down and all discouraged, just putting one foot in front of the other foot, just trying to keep going. And there's something good about that. There's something good about a virtue of keeping going when when you're having a rough time. But let me tell you something. God doesn't want us to just maul through life. God wants us to be filled with energy. God wants us to be filled with excitement. God wants us to run like the people running in the Easter story that were filled with passion and excitement. I heard about this older uh, couple that were having trouble in their marriage. They've been married like 50-some years and things weren't going too good. And uh, they were just, you know, things weren't, there were much, no passion in their marriage. And so uh, they went, they had a new young pastor of the church. They went to see him for counseling. And, and the wife just said, the magic's gone. The magic's gone. The magic's gone. There's no passion anymore. And he, this young pastor, fresh out of seminary, trying to help them, trying to counsel them. And he wasn't getting anywhere. So all of a sudden, he just reached across the desk and he grabbed the back of that old lady's head and just planted a big kiss on her. I mean, he just kissed her till her toes curled up. And then he looked at the old guy. He said, that's what she needs about three times a week. He said, well, I'll bring her Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. (laughs) Well, you know what? Maybe, Maybe you're like that. Maybe you've lost your passion. Maybe you've lost your excitement. Maybe you're just going to work, raising your kids, paying your mortgage, and life is boring. Life is just not very exciting. When I was in high school, I used to wear a T-shirt, my favorite Christian T-shirt. I used to wear Christian T-shirts, and uh, you know, I was the Jesus freak in high school, and my favorite T-shirt was a T-shirt that says, Jesus conquers boredom. Jesus conquers boredom. And I believe that. I believe that Jesus conquers boredom, that we, we don't have to just 
get through the day. We don't just have to get through the week. We just don't have to get through the month of, of April, but we can be filled with adventure and excitement that every day we can't wait to get up because we're in love with Jesus and the Lord God has a special plan for our life and our future. And we can run. We can run in life and we can be excited. I think the reason sometimes that people lose their passion, they lose their excitement in life, is because of just the hardship of life. They've just, you've just gone through some hard things. Life is hard. How many know that life is hard sometimes? Is it hard for you sometimes? Things are just hard. Things happen that you didn't sign up for. Things occur in your life that you weren't expecting to happen. And, and, and it's just, you know, you've had disappointments Maybe things have just really not turned out the way you wish they were in life. And so all the negative things happened to you has taken away your passion. It's taken away your energy. It's taken away your, your, your joy and your enthusiasm and your sense of adventure in life. And it's just drained you of your life. Now, I heard uh, this week a guy called me that, uh, that I was really delighted to hear from him when he called. And a wonderful guy that I have a lot of respect for. And he called me and he said, hey, Pastor Danny, I want to be baptized next week. I want to be baptized next Sunday. And I was like, oh, man, we can make that happen. And we were talking about that. But as I, as I was talking to him, I, could notice, I noticed something different in his voice. Because about two years before that, he had been sitting in my office and he was going through a divorce and he had done everything he could to try to save that marriage. I could, I could, I could see it. He was trying and things weren't working out. And he came into my office and he was so depressed. He was depressed. And I told Karen after he left, I was really worried about him. He was such a conscientious guy, wanted to do the right thing and he was trying. And, and, and what happened was that just things had, life had gone sideways on him. And what happened was after that, he just got really, really depressed after that divorce happened. Dropped out of church, wasn't coming to church anymore. And then he said, I started coming back to church in November. And, uh, and I've been coming, and I've been reading my Bible, and I've been seeking the Lord. And I met this new gal that loves Jesus more than I do, and she's really challenging me in my faith. And uh, he just talked to me, and, and I, could, I could hardly get him off the phone. He just kept talking and talking. He was so excited and passionate about what God had done in his life. You see, you see, he had lost his passion. He has lost his excitement. He wasn't running. He was, had his head down. He was just walking through life. He was just trying to get through. And all of a sudden, the Lord got a hold of him. And the Lord began to do something fresh in his life. And all of a sudden, the life of the Lord came back in him. And I'm here to tell you this morning, maybe your life has fallen apart. Maybe things have happened in your life that you didn't sign up for. And you've lost your excitement about life. You're a cynic. You're pessimistic. You can't see anything good in the future. But I'm here to tell you that the Lord who raised Jesus from the dead, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, can live in you and can put your life back together. In a, amen. Karen and I went uh, Friday night on Good Friday to a little Pentecostal church over in Seaford. Karen's brother was uh, speaking. He's uh, like a Sunday school teacher there. And uh, so Karen wanted to go hear her brother. So I went and we're sitting in this little Pentecostal church. And uh, her brother Richard gets up. And he starts talking about Jesus. And he starts talking about the cross. And he began to cry. And he was just filled with passion. You know, Richard's a Marine. He had two tour duties in Vietnam. Uh, he had open heart surgery. 
Uh, he had one of his lungs because of lung cancer taken out. And, um, and Richard had been through all these things. I mean, his life was just a roller coaster of all kinds of problems and difficulties. And uh, those two tours in Vietnam, very, very, very dramatic in his life. And, and uh, so he got up there. And as soon as he got up there, I told Karen, as soon as I saw him, as I looked at him, the first thing that came to my mind as he started crying as he was talking about Jesus uh, is I, I remembered her mom praying for him. The, her, I said, Karen, that is the evidence of your mom's prayers, the power of prayer. And so he got up and he started sharing, and the life of God was in him. And it wasn't the most homiletically well-designed message. It wasn't the best put-together message, but it was filled with power because this man whose life had fallen apart in so many ways, the Lord had put him back together, and he wasn't just drudging through life anymore. He wasn't just trying to get through the day, but he had the Spirit of God in him. The Holy Spirit had come back in him, and he's running again, and he's filled with passion. And if you're here this morning and you feel like you've lost your energy, you've lost your life, you've lost your passion, for life. I'm here to tell you that Christianity is about passion. It's about excitement. It's about being a part of the great adventure of winning this world to Christ. And we are people that have discovered that God can take our lives in, in all the problems and all the scars and all the difficulties, and the Lord can put us back together, and the Lord can put life back inside of us. I was reading uh, this week, I was reading uh, in Ezekiel, which is a really uh, cool book in the Old Testament about God encouraging the uh, people of Israel when they were way in captivity in Babylon. But anyhow, there's a chapter 37. There's this, there's this, uh, there's this wonderful scene where uh, Ezekiel's put down in a valley. He's in a valley. Have you ever been in a valley? Have you ever been in a valley where you're low and you're depressed? Ezekiel was put down in a valley. And the Bible says that he saw the valley was full of dry bones. It was full of death. And the Lord said to Ezekiel, Ezekiel, can these bones live? And he gave the perfect answer. He said, Lord, you know. You know if they can live. And all of a sudden, the Lord said to Ezekiel to begin to prophesy over those bones. And the bones were scattered everywhere. They were all apart. And as he began to prophesy, the Spirit of God filled that valley. And he put those bones together and then put muscle and sinew on those bones. And that that valley full of bones stood up as a mighty army. And the word of the Lord to us this Easter is maybe you're in a valley. Maybe you're dead. Maybe you are lifeless. Maybe you've gone through a divorce and you just lost hope. Maybe you've gone through some loss. You've lost a loved one and you just, your heart is empty. I'm here to tell you, you don't have to walk through life dragging with your head down, just plodding through. But the Lord wants you to run. He wants you to be filled with life and energy and passion. If you've lost your passion for life, if you lost your passion for living, your passion for marriage, your passion for serving Jesus, your passion can be restored because Easter is about people that are running and are filled with passion. But I think about one last way maybe people can lose their, their energy and their passion in life. Sometimes we just, we just lose our passion and energy in life because we've just, we've just walked away from the Lord. We just stepped away from the Lord. We used to follow the Lord. We used to be close to Him. And somehow we just, we've stepped away. And it's not that we don't believe in God anymore. We believe in God. We believe that there is a God, but we're like Peter in the in the, in the story of, uh, of the Passion where, where they arrested Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. And it says that Peter followed at a distance. He followed at a distance. 
Maybe you used to be really close to Jesus. You were following Jesus. You were close to Jesus. But now you're just following Jesus from a distance. You believe in Jesus, but you're not really following him. You got involved with your, your work and, and your education and all the stuff that we have to do in life, and you've become completely preoccupied with stuff other than Jesus. When Karen and I were uh, in Baba College, living in Pensacola, Florida, uh, we used to uh, try to entertain ourselves uh, on Friday night. We didn't have any money, so we'd go out on a date. We'd go to the beach, take a walk, or we would go to the restaurant and watch other people eat, and we'd do whatever. Um, but one, one Friday night, we decided uh, we were riding along the road, and we came, I think it was Highway 98 around Pensacola, Florida. Uh, we were riding, and there was a dog track where they had dog races, and people go in there and gamble and all that. I thought, wow, that's interesting. You know, uh, we, you know, we didn't gamble. We didn't have any money to gamble. Even if we were going to gamble, we didn't have any money. So, but we thought, hey, let's go up there and watch the dog races. So we got there by the chain link fences, and we're watching these dogs race. And so we're up there watching these dogs race, and, um, and it was really cool. They'd run around the track, chase that little electronic rabbit that had the scent on it. And so uh, we're there, and we said, hey, let's, let's do this. Let's pick out a dog on the next race, and he'll be our dog, and we'll see if he'll win. We'll pick him out. So we did that, and they started the race. The bell went off, and the, the, the electronic rabbit with the scent on it went around that little oval there, and the dogs are running, and the dog we picked out was way out ahead. We thought, man, we picked good. But when he got to the corner, the dog just kept going straight. He never made the corner. <laughs> All the other dogs went around the corner, but our dog... He went straight. He ended up in Alabama somewhere. I don't know where he ended up. <laughs> and maybe, maybe, maybe there was a time when you were chasing after Jesus. You were chasing Jesus. But something happened, and you kind of you got off that trail, and now you're chasing something else. I wrote my notes. I said, when I was writing this sermon, I said, Lord, may I always be a Jesus chaser. May I always chase you. It says in the book of Psalms, Psalm 64, 1, As the deer pants after the water brook, so pants my soul after you. David the psalmist is saying, Lord, let me be like a deer that's thirsty. Its tongue is hanging out and it can't wait to find water. Let me seek you like that. Maybe you're here on Easter and you, you used to seek Jesus and you used to love Jesus and you used to follow Jesus. But you're, you're just dead now. You don't have any life in you. You're just going through the motions, and you're just kind of going through life every, every week, and you've lost. You're not running. You're not running with excitement. You're not running with passion like you need to run. And Easter is not just about the resurrection of Jesus. Easter is about your resurrection. Easter is about the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you to quicken your mortal body. I've noticed this as I've gotten older. Uh, how many are older than you used to be? How many know that's true for everybody right now? You're older than you were yesterday. But you know what, what I've noticed about people that get older? Sometimes you get cynical, you've seen it all, heard it all, and you've gone through, you've become a bit of a pessimist. When I was in a grade school, uh, well, actually, I was in kindergarten. Uh, we all had to learn a, a nursery rhyme. And the nursery rhyme that was assigned to me to learn was Humpty Dumpty. And um, it goes, Humpty Dumpty sat on the wall. Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. And all the king's horses 
And all the king's men couldn't put Humpty back together again. And I've been a pessimist ever since. That had really pretty much ruined me. That is the most depressing, most depressing thing you can ever think about. I think Humpty was pushed. That's what I think. But maybe you feel like you've gone through so much. Nobody can put your life back together again. You can't, you can't be restored. You can't get your joy back. You can't get your passion back. And I'm here to tell you that Easter is about running. Easter is about passion. Easter is about excitement. Easter is about John and Peter running as hard as they can run. It's about Mary Magdalene running through the streets. It's about excitement. It's about passion. It doesn't matter if you're 16. It doesn't matter if you're 40. It doesn't matter if you're 50. It doesn't matter if you're 70. You are designed by God to be filled with passion and with excitement. I think uh, when we decide that we're going to return and come to the Lord and we realize that we're sort of plodding through life, just kind of doing our thing, and we've lost our passion or excitement. You know, what, what, how does God respond to us when we've kind of like drifted away from Him, and now we kind of like turn our face to begin to come toward the Lord? I thought about the prodigal son story, that prodigal son who decided, hey, the father's house is boring. I don't want to have anything to do with the father's house, so he just kind of left the father's house, and he, he went to the far country, and he sinned and he got involved in everything and he ended up hungry. He ended up hungry. He was in a pig pen. He was hungry. Listen to this. This is very important. When we try to find fulfillment and peace in anything else other than Jesus, we'll always be hungry. We'll always be hungry. There always will be something missing. And when that boy decided he would come back to the Lord, come back to his father's house, he, made, he turned and he started going back towards his father's house. And you see in the story, you see the, the father who represents the heavenly father. He sees his son from afar. And in those days, they didn't wear American Eagle jeans or Brooks Brothers pants. Uh, they, they wore robes. And so he had to pull up his robe so he could run. So he pulled up his robe. And you could see his white, varicose vein legs, these old legs of this old guy. He pulled up the robe and began to run, run toward his son. And he wrapped his arms around his son and kissed him and put his a new robe on him. And they had a party. And the party was filled with life. Because when we come back to the Lord, our life takes on energy and vision and excitement again. Honestly, I don't know how a person can make it in this life without Jesus because when Jesus is in your life, He charges you up, He gives you energy, He gives you life. You can get up every day. Life is exciting. Life is an adventure. I don't have to just put one foot in front of the other foot, but I can run with passion because the Lord has His hand on my life. Would you take a moment and bow your heads with me? If you're here this morning and you are a person that has not a real connection with Jesus and there's something missing in your life, something fundamentally 
that's missing in your life, that you know there's something that's not the way it should be. And you would say, Pastor Danny, would you pray for me at the end of this service? Because I know there's something missing in my life. I've lost my focus. I've lost my vision for life. I don't have any energy. I don't have any excitement about life. Passion in my life is gone. I'm completely numb and cynical. And I need the life of God on Easter to pull his, pour his spirit back in me. Give me life. If you're here this morning and that's you, would you lift your hand up real high and just leave it up? Thank you. Oh my gosh, many people. Lift up your hand, just leave it up real high. And you want to ask Jesus to be a part of your life, to come in your life and fill you. You can put your hand down. If you're here this morning and you used to have passionately followed Jesus, but Jesus is like in the footnotes of your life now. He's not the main script, but he's the footnote. If you're here this morning and you say, you know, I used to have life. I used to be excited about Jesus. I used to be excited about life and the Bible and church and, and uh, my, my journey, but I've lost my passion because I've kind of stepped away. I'm following, I'm following at a distance. Would you lift your hand this morning, Pastor Danny? Would you pray for me? Just lift your hand up real high. Thank you. As many people are doing that. Lift up your hand real high. That's good. That's good. Let's all lift our hands right now. Let's pray this prayer. Let's pray, first of all, for those that are receiving Christ right now at this moment. Let's lift our hands to the Lord. Lord, uh, we just thank you for what your Holy Spirit's doing right now. Thank you that your Holy Spirit is, is bringing life to people right now, people that are cynical and pessimistic. Thank you that you're pouring life out on them. Let's all pray this out loud for those that are receiving Christ. Let's pray it out loud right now. Let's pray this. Lord Jesus, I know that my life is empty without you. And Lord, forgive me for not seeking you, for not following you. And Lord, right now, I invite you into my life. I make you Lord of my life. I, like, I make you the centerpiece of my life. I worship you. I love you. I believe that you're the Son of God. Come into my life. Restore me. Restore joy, restore passion as I follow you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Just lift your hands to the Lord. Wave your hands before the Lord. Thank you, Lord.